Hi, I'm Alan Haida, a.k.a. Al the Brewer, on the Cultures Matters podcast, and thank you for joining. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning and welcome back to the Culture Matters podcast, or good afternoon, of course, or good evening. My name is Chris Smith and we're on episode number 137. Today's guest's name is Alan Haida. Alan Haida is a craft beer and nerd and guide. He loves to educate people on craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. He has been into craft beer on the amateur and professional level, having worked behind the bar and now as a podcaster as well. Let's get right to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Hey, Alan, how are things there? Oh, doing well, Chris. Doing well. How are you doing? I'm good as well. Yes, uh, enjoying enjoying the hot weather. And uh, well, hot weather. Ten uh, recording date is April tenth, twenty twenty, and uh, we're having some really nice spring days. Normal average temperature in centigrade. We're metric here. Mm-hmm. Should be twelve. And currently, oh, that's we're, nice. we're experiencing twenty three degrees. So it's about double what the average should be. Um, oh, no, nobody is complaining, by the way, uh, about oh. this. So, gotcha. Tell us a little bit, um, Alan, about yourself. We did a sort of a pre-chat. I know a little bit yeah. more about you than the audience does. So fill the audience in a little bit uh, who you are, where you come from, where are you now, and what would you consider your so-called cultural frame of reference? So, uh, Alan Haida, I, a.k.a. Al the Brewer, on all the fun Instagrams and Twitters and all that. Um, but I am a beer nerd, and I consider myself a beer guide. Uh, I've got my own little podcast that I run where I try to educate people, not just about uh, like kind of how beer is made, but also the culture of beer um, and uh, just the broader aspect. Uh, I always try to get some type of question started and uh, discussed instead of just kind of like chatting about, you know, beer than sports and all these other fun things. Um, I'm originally from California, uh, Southern California. I grew up in the Long Beach area. Um, loved, love, love Southern California still, uh, currently in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, it's not so much by like, oh, I couldn't wait to move to Texas, but it's, uh, more family circumstances and things like that. But, um, I've really found a niche here. The DFW craft beer scene is awesome um it is great it's growing uh even amidst this whole covid19 that we're experiencing right now we just had a brewery open and um man i mean that takes a lot of guts but uh, i i say cheers to them Okay, indeed. Cheers is a good uh, good way of ending this this introduction. Great, great to have uh, this kind of uh, introduction as well. And before we go on and actually Please. talk talk about what you what you do and why you're on 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 the Culture Matters podcast <laughs> is I mentioned the date before, April 10, twenty twenty. We're in mm-hmm. the midst of this this worldwide uh, pandemic. How are you holding up there? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, we are. Uh, I will say we're doing great. Uh, my family is healthy. Everyone in my family is healthy. So that's how I start with my standard of great. Mm. Um, we are, it, it was funny this morning, we are getting the kids ready because it's my kid's last day of daycare. I have a random day off for Good Friday. Uh, the company that I work for, I never thought they would 
that that would be a day that I would get off, but I have that day off. Um, and so, um, you know, we're getting the kids ready to get out of daycare and we literally moved my entire living room around to get ready for the kids. So I, this morning I was trying to get my new mic, my mic set up and all that. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been a, it's been a, a whole lot of, um, of, of sitting and a whole lot of new, because yeah. I think we're all experiencing this whole new sitting experience. Exactly. Um, so I, with having the kids in daycare, my wife has always worked from home. I'm just starting to work from home, so that's kind of fun. But our life really hasn't been interrupted too much beyond you know not being able to go out to eat. Yeah. Um, uh, except for the weekends where we have the kids in all day, and they they definitely feel it all day. I've got a, a three year old and a one year old, so it's it's all the energy right now. Yeah. 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 Can imagine, I can. Well, good to hear that you're that you're doing fine and that you're that you're doing okay. Um, moving on to uh, to beer uh, because that's mm-hmm. that's what you the, the, you call yourself the beer nerd, right? Uh, or a yeah. beer guide. Um, mm-hmm. So, what did your life look like before that? I mean, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> did you have a life before this as well? I definitely had a little bit of a life before this. Uh, it was um, so before all this beer stuff. Um, so, I've been into beer for about thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to to college. I went uh, studied abroad overseas in Germany uh, through uh, uh, Heidel- in Heidelberg with my uh, with Pepperdine University. Yeah, loved it. Had a great time. Uh, Pepperdine is a Christian school and it um, is in Malibu, California, right? Yes. Oh, gorgeous campus. I love that place still. Um, It's a, it's a Christian school. And so the quote campus is drive. People still drink. I get that. And uh, in Germany, I wasn't much of a beer drinker. I know that sounds may sound weird to anybody listening, um, but there was a lot of people uh, that either in in the programs with that you either got drunk or didn't drink at all. Right. And I wasn't either one of those. And so I didn't really drink a lot in Germany, but I found out like, hey, this actually does taste good. Um, got back to the U.S., didn't really care much for beer and wine all too much. Uh, left, went, lived in China for a while. Um Started to explore just a little bit there, but it's very limited there. Uh-huh. Got back, and um, I remember I went to a place called Vindipays in Long Beach. It's no longer there. Rest in peace, Vindipays. Mm-hmm. But um, I went there with a buddy of mine, and the guy started serving us um, you know, different beers. And I was like, man, these are great. And the guy said, hey, if you want another one of these, and he put a bottle down, um, I heard you guys play guitar, come back and play, and more of these will be coming your way for free. <laughs> and when you're 23 and broke and someone says play guitar for free beer, you now know what you're doing Friday nights. Exactly. Exactly. So I started uh, gigging, playing, uh, just kind of being the house musician at this little wine bar. Mm-hmm. And he said, whatever you want to drink for free. And so I would spend my Friday nights just trying all the different bottles. They had about 300 bottles of beer. And I would just try, you know, what I could throughout the night. And mm-hmm. then um, that turned into me actually learning how to homebrew. Uh, was homebrewing for about 10 plus years. Haven't done it in just a little while because kids kids and homebrew, it's just hard to do. Okay. Uh, and then really started to dive deep into it um, when I learned about the Cicerone program. I don't know if you're familiar with this, if there's a... Um, there's a sommelier program mm-hmm. uh, for wine. The Cicerone program is for beer. Um, there were only three, four levels when I started. Now there are five. Um, I've got my quote certified beer server, which means that you know it's just it's it's something that generally you use to serve uh, as a, as a qualification. To say hey, I know how to serve beer well. 
Um, I got that. I started working at a place that's still around Wade's Wines. Uh, they have 103 beers on tap, and that's really where I started to, I, I say, like, I got my teeth into it. Right. Um, you know, having 103 beers on tap, having to know, having to be expected to know how to tell someone this is a beer that I think you should try. Uh, and that's really where like the beer guide in me came out because I'm uh, originally an educator. Mm -hmm. Um, and so beer and education to me just kind of fits. And so I loved being behind the bar. I loved helping people out go, Hey, how do we get you? What do you like to drink? Where do we start from here? And then here's where I think you should go. Um, that was really one of the most fun experiences I had. And it really taught me, uh, so much about communication, um, about listening, about really listening, not just like hearing what they say, but what are they trying to tell you? Mm -hmm. um, and then also, uh, man, just, I mean, it, it really showed me how much, um, you know, this beverage um, can bring people together. Um, how many times I saw just a bunch of people coming in just to have a beer. Is, is that unique um, to beer? No, I don't think it's unique to beer. In, in, okay, I'll say this. I think that at least in American culture, yeah. people gather around for a beer easier than they do gather around to specifically drink wine. Right. I think that the idea of going to the bar in, in America mm -hmm. is specifically built around a beer rather than wine. Mm -hmm. or even, though, even though you have a, you have a very popular and well-known wine production in, in, oh, again, in California. Oh yes, absolutely. And I love the wine. I love the wine in California. I still yeah. get, I'm still a member at a winery in California that I love. And they're the only one that still ships to Texas. So I, I it's nothing against that. Um, believe me, I'm, uh, my order of beverage choice is generally beer, spirits, wine and spirits, wine changes by the day. Mm. Um, but, uh, no, I, it, it is, it is, it, I would never talk about wine disparagingly in this way. Okay. I'm just more coming from the fact of, Coming from a place that served both wine and beer, we had uh, 130 beers on tap and 32 wines on tap as well. Right. Uh, when I, I saw people come together um, to drink beer versus people coming together to drink wine, wine was generally a starting point mm. and then moving on to something else, uh, someplace else. When I saw people come together to drink beer, it was normally a couple of rounds. Even if it was going to start on some place, go, go on to something else. Um, generally I saw that and, uh, it, man, it just really was, uh, it, it was something special and still something I keep with me. Um, I've also spent, uh, from there coming over to California, I'm mean, coming over to Texas, mm -hmm. uh, it again, worked in a brewery for a hot minute and then, um, started working in where I'm at now currently in an airline. So for me being a, a podcaster in beer allows me to keep these connections, allows me to still keep a foot in the world of beer. Um, which is great because I feel connected to the scene. I feel connected to the people that work in it, but not having to have that schedule of Fridays, weekends, and all the times where, you know, I, I, I tell people like working in beer is great. But uh, don't do it for the free beer because you're going to work when people want to drink. And that's when you don't want to work. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's it's a great time. But, man, you got a it, it's a hustle. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Can I can I can I back up with, on, on two items Please. that you that you uh, covered? You Absolutely. said you studied in Heidelberg, uh, Heidelberg, uh, Deutschland in Germany. Yeah. And um, uh, from the Pepperdine University in California. Mm -hmm. And yes. then you spent some time in China. What? 
what did you do there? What what brought you there? And and, and why did you leave? Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay. So Heidelberg. Um, I loved Heidelberg. Um, I, sorry, I'm saying that with an American accent. I'm so sorry. That's fine. Um, I, I really I'm really bad at learning other languages. I'm half Mexican and failed Spanish, and mm. so I'm. I'm. Yeah. No, I don't hold out too much hope for me. Um, <laughs> so that was a study abroad program. We had 50 students living in a giant house with a family, a staff family, and it was wonderful and magical. And I was one of the most broke students there. So the idea of beer or wine being cheaper than water really gave me a little education, um, in, at least in Europe. In China, I spent a year and a half there, and I was a missionary and an English teacher. Ah. Yeah. And so I went with a, a program, and so I was part of house churches, and I would uh, do churches on the weekends, and then I would teach English uh, at a local university. Yeah. And that was an amazing experience. Um, China was, was – it still is – holds a very big place in my heart. I still am connected to some of the people from that uh, program from that time. And, uh, man, I, 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 I still think about how not, – not how fun – not only how fun but how challenging it was to, to live in China. Can you, can you, can you uh, give us a challenge that you had to, uh, that you experienced or had to go through when, when, oh, man. when, when coming was, there or being there? Oh, um, it I mean, well, I mean, the, the language barrier for one, uh -huh. um, is very difficult. I was in a, so I was living in a city called Jingzhou, mm -hmm. which is about three hours away from Wuhan. Everybody knows where Wuhan is now. Uh, no nowadays, yes. It's, it's about three hours east of, uh, of Wuhan. And, uh, it was a village of a million and a half. Yeah. And I think there were a total of 26. Uh, I'll, I call them foreigners, uh, people other than Chinese that were living there. Yeah. And so uh, me being, being very bad at learning languages, I had my – at the time, my accent was okay, but learning vocabulary was was terrible. Yeah. And so getting around, I mean, just uh, – I would order my food, but uh, knew how to do that. But um, the – one of the experiences that I had, I'll say, was lines and cues. Um, it was – the space it was took me some some time to get used to because the the idea of a personal space Americans we like our personal space yep. and I knew that personal space was different uh, in different countries especially from living in in Germany and and having spent time abroad but there was still even the 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 Western European idea of space um, was still cut in half when I lived in China <laughs> and so I would be in line it would be a little tighter than I was used to that didn't bother me um, but it was there. Uh, I'll never forget having a time where I was in line for a um, for a bank and I was trying to in queue for a bank, trying to make a deposit, and a, a little woman uh, about came up to a little past my shoulders, had this giant pile of money in her hands, and she saw I was next in in queue to to talk to the teller, mm -hmm. and she literally just bumped me over, put the money down, looked at me, and said, "What are you going to do about it?" With her eyes. <laughs> And I went, nothing. You have fun, lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, it was just one of these moments where I'm like, nope, it's cool. Uh, you know what? It's not even worth getting angry over. And yeah. the teller looked at me like, are you going to do anything? Nope, cool. And she just started counting money. And I just stood there. And I was like, you know what? It's all good. We're, yeah. it, it, it's not worth getting. It's not worth any amount of no. of of, of uh, anger at this point in time. So, um, so, and, and these, it's funny that, that these kind of stories, uh, although at the moment it's like, what? The experience, but it, it, it lingers on and it stays, it, it becomes a story that you, you, you no doubt have told to other people as well. Um, you've, you've also, you also said that beer wasn't that big in China. Is that correct? Did I hear that correct? Well, okay. Let me, let me put it this way. Um, it's not that it wasn't that big. Um, there's, uh, the, the world of, 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 
of alcohol in China mainly uh, revolves around the the rice wine uh, that they have there, and um, uh, and that's totally escaping my mind because I uh, it's uh, to me it tastes horrible. So I didn't I, I drank it once and I was like no never again. Um, but beer mainly there is three to five percent lager style beers, mm-hmm. um, very light, um, you know, kind of watery. Uh, no real presence of, of bitterness, no real presence of malt. Right. A lot of rice is used as well as a filler in, uh, as a filler ingredient. So a little drier, uh-huh. which isn't a bad thing, um, but there's not much substance to it. So it's easy when you're having uh, a beer and you're eating a whole lot of fried food like I was at the time mm. or a whole lot of spicy food or a whole lot of like these very heavy, starchy, carby foods. Uh, you know, that type of beer goes great. Yeah. Um, but uh, the variety in beer was very lacking. You had, you know, Snow, you had Tiger, you had all these different bottles that brands. I mean, these are the brands you mentioned. Yes, the brands. Yeah. Yes. That um, all pretty much tasted, you know, very similar. Um, you know, if you were to line them up blind, uh, you would, unless you're a really big fan of one of them, you probably wouldn't be able to taste much of a difference between all of them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I like Qingdao. That was, that was very good, but um, it's still one I'll go to if I'm going to have Chinese food and want to feel like I'm back in China. But uh, it's not, uh, it's not something that um, was, there, there wasn't anything there that really like made me go, wow, this is something I, I I'm, uh, that, that sparked much passion in me um, mm-hmm. towards like, like, uh, consuming it. Um, yeah. And so it's not that beer isn't big there. It it is very big. And it, the, the beer culture and the craft beer culture in China is growing. Uh, there are several breweries that have microbreweries that have opened up in Beijing. Um, the idea of getting imported beer, uh, is definitely growing over there. Uh, I mean, I know that everybody says, you know, China is a growing market and beer is not an exception to that. Yeah, that makes sense as well, I guess. Yeah, indeed. And I, I've got some, uh, we're going to say some mouths to fill, but maybe some, uh, some, some, um, some throats to, um, how do you say that? To, to quench as well. Yes. The, the, yes. the other thing, Alan, you mentioned as well, mm-hmm. really quickly, but I want to know Please. a little bit more about that is the Cicerone certification yes. that you have is because that's on your website. You're, you're, you're certified, certified. Uh, yes. I could certify you as well. I mean, I could write out my own. <laughs> I could. So, I mean, no, is, absolutely. This, is, this no, no, no. Yes. is this international? Um, and, and what does it mean? You, you explained a little bit that you know how to serve beer. And then I was thinking, okay, now what is this kind of certification? Is, is this an international certification? Um, and uh, what do you mean how to serve beer? I know how to pour a beer. I, I mean, in the end, we're going to drink it and that's it. I mean, I'm being, I'm being devil's advocate here. So oh, can you no, tell absolutely. us a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, so Cicerone.org, uh, I'm trying to remember the name, Ray. Oh, his name is escaping me. Uh-huh. Um, so here's the deal. Um, uh, this, uh, the guy whose name is escaping me, I'm uh, sure we'll put in a note somehow, some later. Yeah, yeah. He was tired of how there was no certification for beer. Um, cause he saw that beer was coming up, especially in the United States. Yeah. Um, and he was definitely going like, how do we, he was trying to make up a way to make beer become more on the same level of wine. Um, but not just in a, in a, in a status way, but to show that, Hey, there is education here. There is something to learn. There is some, uh, there are different things that you should know if you're going to be serving beer. So, um, the, what he's done is he's made uh, these levels of test, and in the beer industry, they pretty much have become the standard. So the is certified this beer international again is this is this oh. would a would a brewer for for uh, uh, Anheuser and 
Heuser Bush help me uh, or AB InBev would they be mm-hmm. certified as well? No, I no. This is so. This is not so much for brewing um, oh. beer. Um, this is more for the serving and the for the edu- and for education uh, and for like I said, like a sommelier. Uh, literally, it's a sommelier for beer. Right. So in the same way, where a while a uh, while a a vintner may have some type of sommelier certification, mm-hmm. uh, a, a winemaker may have some type of certification. You don't expect the the winemaker to be a sommelier. Um, the same way brewer, you, you know, they know how to make beer, but they may not be, uh, I, I know plenty of brewers that know how to make a great beer, but I, you would not want to have a beer with them. Um, (laughs) they would serve you with their beer and go, look, it tastes good. Drink it. Um, and, and so this is, this is the other side of that. This is very much, uh, on the, uh, the house of side. If I can, if I can use a restaurant term, uh, house of side, backside, house side, um, you know, um, front of house. Um, it's, it's a certification that uh, so the first the first level and it international, I would say right now it's probably not as well known in Europe or Asia um, or internationally outside of out of America. I know it is growing mm-hmm. because of because it gives someone a standard. I think that's the thing that 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 people were missing about beer is that it, they need a standard to go. Hey, where do you stand in all this? Like I can say I know beer. Like my my podcast, I know nothing about beer. I love that name because it just it grabs people. Um, and no, I don't know. It's not that I know nothing about beer. It's that when I learn, the more I learn about beer, the 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 more I feel like I the less I know, and the more questions I have. Yeah. This gives you a standard. So the the first level of the certified beer server. It's it's an online test, and I know that sounds kind of kind of cheesy, but it's twenty minutes. You get a syllabus. It's really hard to do this test without. Um, with, with, you know, you can't just look at the answer real quick and do it on Google. It's, it's not, if you can do that, you are a great typer and should not be pursuing beer. You <laughs> yeah, know, but that's not the point either. Come on. It's, yeah. It's that's che- not the point yourself. So, yeah. But, um, it's, it means that, you know, a general broad, uh, broad knowledge of styles of tasting notes of how to serve the difference between serving, you know, a very basic, uh, basic one would be how to serve a Hefeweizen. You know, because mm. you have the if you pour a Hefeweizen like you would a, a straight lager what, or an ale. What, what is what, what did you just mention? Is that a, that is a beer? No doubt. Where is it Hefeweizen. from? Is it, is it, what is it? Uh, Hefeweizen. It's a German style beer. Uh-huh. Um, it is uh, high in wheat, so it is very cloudy. Okay. And it uses this one type of yeast that um, when you uh, this is where I get to be a little beer nerdy. The higher temperature that you ferment this yeast at. Uh-huh. Uh, the more banana flavors it gives, banana to bubble gum, the colder that you ferment this yeast at, the more clovey and bready um, and uh, malty flavors that you get. And all these ingredients okay. are never added. I mean, there's never like Correct. The, the banana taste is never added to this. Correct. Right. No, no, no. I mean, the, the Germans love their their rules, their laws. It's all the Radhanskavot. Um, so German, German, beer, German beers generally are hops, water, malt, uh, yeast. That's mm-hmm. it. And so uh, in serving a Hefeweizen, it has a layer of yeast at the bottom that is purposely kept in the bottle so that when you pour part of the beer, um, you can, you, you know, if you can option, hey, would you like the rest of the yeast? And the yeast in a Hefeweizen holds a lot of flavor and a lot of character. And generally, you don't care for yeast in your beer, Mm -hmm. uh, in your beer glass, generally, except when it's a Hefeweizen. Mm -hmm. Um, so this, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, most people would not know that. Um, and it's some, one of those things that it just kind of brings something out about 
the beer, brings a characteristic about the beer that you may not have known before. Um, it, so, you know, you don't just dump the bottle in. You, you know, the way I prepare a Hefeweizen, I pour about three quarters of the beer, about half the beer into the glass very carefully, 45 degree angle, not making too much of a, of a head, all the bubbles on top. Uh, I'll swirl the bottle a little bit, mm-hmm. pour a little more in. Again, I don't want to give uh, overflow of foam. And then when there's that last little like uh, like maybe two centimeters worth of beer at the bottom and yeast, yeah. I'll swirl that up pretty vigorously and then dump that in. And the color of the beer changes, the aroma of the beer changes, the, the, the carbonation of the beer kind of changes. And you get a whole different experience. If you were to drink a Hefeweizen um, from, uh, without yeast versus a Hefeweizen with yeast and you closed your eyes and tried the two, you would think they were two different beers. Right. Now, if I, so, if I would go, if I would go to Germany, right? I mean, this is your description and your your the taught way, and maybe your preferred way of doing this as well. Would yeah. if I go to a to a decent, uh, say, cafe or bar in Germany, mm-hmm. uh, where they have a good selection of beer, would they pour mm-hmm. it exactly the same way? They, I, my guess is, they would pour it in a, in a way that I just said. Right. If you know, if the, if that was an option, if you had someone doing tableside service. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got it pouring from the tap, that's you know, they just pour it from the tap, and there's that. Um, but my guess is that you would see something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and the only reason why I know that is because, you know, when I, uh, when I've, I've seen, I just say the only reason I know that, but one of the ways that I know that is just, um, from reading, you know, even reading the books that I've got on my table right now mm-hmm. on how this beer has been served and how, uh, you know, how, how it was made to have this yeast in there. You know, I can't imagine, um, you know, someone making this and then leaving it out on purpose. Um, and you know, since it's coming from Germany, my guess is that this is how my, you know, um, that this is what it was meant to be. Now, in in uh, again about, about pouring a a beer or or, or ordering mm-hmm. a beer. If I go to a uh, any well, any bar, a general uh, bar in the U.S. and I ask for a beer and I I get a a, a Budweiser, a Bud, right? That's yes. being, that's being poured, or I get the bottle and that's it. Boom! It's in front of your face. In Germany, it's yeah. a good habit that if they if if it's a beer on tap, then it's uh, there's a I think there's even a German saying: a good beer has to stand or wait for uh for six minutes or something or seven minutes there's a six or seven minutes and then so you order this beer and you think that you want to that you think you can take it and the bartender will will frown at you if you actually take it immediately (laughs) because that's that's not how you do this so that's a a very i mean germans recognize this and they know this and there's an expression for that in your experience and and what you've seen throughout Mm. your 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 travels and uh, well other experiences are there other, um, well, different ways of, of doing this? Different in different, do the Japanese do it differently? The Chinese? Um, I don't know, something like that. Um, so I'll, I'll say this. Um, in, in general, you're right. In, in American culture, it is get the beer, get it going, get go, you yeah. know, get, get in front of the customer as quick as possible. Um, I think that uh, I was actually in Japan not too long ago. Um, and one of the things that I, I just kind of fell in love with the country, um, I, and how how they're so meticulous about appearance, yeah. um, about appearance and about something. It looked like uh, it's something being done properly. So when I watched them serve a beer, yeah, um, it was it was awesome because I really okay. This is I try not to be judgmental, but one thing I do judge people on is how they serve me a beer. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I loved watching the the beer service in Japan because 
They had all of the carbonation right out of the tap. You know, you can see there wasn't uh, it wasn't what we call a foam cannon, where it just shoots out foam, yeah. and then you're waiting on the beer, and you're waiting, and you watch them pour. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but you'll see someone pour open the tap, and then it's a lot of foam, and then they let the foam fill up the beer, mm-hmm. the 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 glass. Yeah. There was never that. It was open, pour. You know, even the right angle at which you like finish tilting the glass upright and stopping it just at the right point, clean the glass off, make it look nice. And it was, it was almost like they were presenting you the beer instead yeah. of just serving you the beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. because that, that goes sort of hand in hand with, um, I'm going to say something really horrible now with, um, with sushi because in, in, in and by itself, mm-hmm. sushi is, is white rice with raw fish, but the way mm-hmm. it's presented and the way it's been made, mm-hmm. meticulousness, etc. I mean, that, that it's, and, and then again, of course, we eat with our eyes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's a good experience. Any other experiences like that? You know, I would say that, um, I think that you can learn a lot from a culture by just visiting where people are drinking, because I think that's kind of like a, 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 con, a, a condensing of that culture mm-hmm. in some way shape or form mm-hmm. like you can't be like it's one of those things that um it's it's it when you think of like very american i think uh especially in drinking culture you think of a bar mm-hmm. and if you want to get like a if you want to get like a quick taste of like some american culture not all american culture but some american sure. culture you can visit a bar yeah um and you can you can see just a wider range of people uh it depends also on the bar that you go to um but um yeah, there was that. Um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think because I haven't. I mean, I was in Europe not too long ago. Yeah, and oh, I mean, the pubs in in England as well. I mean, you just take a look at how they serve. That's true. And the cask and um, you know, cask ale, which is just uh, amazing. I love it. I wish we did more of it here in America. Uh, that draw the big pool with the um, the what's it called the handle. Yeah, and it's not forced carbonated. It's naturally carbonated. And you get to watch your beer being served and poured. And again, that's not really like a presented to you. It is served. Yeah. But you get to see that whole process. I love that. That to me is just oh, so much fun. Is there for you, given given the, the, the knowledge that you've built up over the years, is there for you a best beer country in the world? I mean, the, the, mm. the Dutch have this, I think the Dutch have the, the most exported beer, uh, their Heineken beer in the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, it's, the, it's the widest available. Um, and I'm not really sure, but the Belgians are really proud of, of their beers as well. They have uh, uh, a zillion tastes, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there like the best beer country in the world for you? And maybe so, the worst uh, as well? <laughs> maybe the worst. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to put it this way. Um, uh, going to Belgium, um, before this whole COVID thing, I was planning a trip to Belgium because it has been on my bucket list for since forever, since I've, I've been getting into beer. Okay. Um, I would still think that Belgium is probably one of those top places in the world to get a beer, really? not only because of the variety of beer you have in Belgium, but the quality of beer. Um, especially if you're into um, like uh, the the Trappist styles, like I am, yeah. or the uh, they call them sour beers, um, beers that have been inoculated with bacteria that eat a different sugar than the yeast do, okay. and therefore give off different flavors. So if you've uh, so some beers, um, if, if if you have have you had uh, sour candy before? 
Um, must have. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, like, so, like it's like that that feeling of like biting into a lemon. Yeah. Where that's that tart and it hits you really hard. There are beers that have that feeling, that taste. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not lemon, but that taste, that acidic taste. Right. Um, and Belgium makes some amazing. There's a there's several breweries out there that just do an amazing version of these. Um. That is still, I would think, the the number one place most beer drinkers would go. If I could have a chance, I would go to Belgium. All right. Uh, number yeah, number two, uh-huh. uh, number two, I would say would probably be America right now. Okay. Um, because everybody is wanting the beers from America. Um, yes, there are breweries in a brewery here, a brewery here, and other countries that you might seek out, but um, there are beers in America that everybody is wanting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a whole gray market around trading beers. Okay, that's that. It's, it's interesting, and indeed, that beer is is uh, is, is 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 on the up. Uh, apparently, what you what you mentioned as well. There, of course, there's a lot of variety in beer and in in tastes mm-hmm. as well. You mentioned a, a type of beer called a trappist or a trappist, mm-hmm. um, which is usually which I think is this primarily Belgian. I think there's one Dutch, if I'm not mistaken, that makes this kind of beer. And it's it's strong. It's really strong beer with about, well, could, could be about 8, 9, 10 percentage of alcohol. Then the, have you heard of what, have you heard of the uh, a Michelada? Do you have, you, do you know what that is? A Michelada? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, I do. I make myself a good Michelada. Okay. Just, um, and because that is such a different taste. And that is, I think, typically, well, okay. in my experience, for the beer lovers mm-hmm. in Belgium, um, mm-hmm. uh, living in Belgium, they, they look at me if I, if I serve them or present them this or you want to try this, they'd look at me like, what? What are you? It's like you're, you're, you're molesting a beer here. So let me let me preface this. A michelada is I, I consider that a beer cocktail. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, because it's uh, for people that uh, this is how I make a michelada. You take a Mexican beer, you add clamato or like a, a V8 in America. It's like a tomato juice, tomato vegetable juice. Uh-huh. Uh, then you add what we call Worcestershire sauce. Some you know some uh, I like to add some tapatio, some hot sauce, yeah. and then other things, and you get this. Uh, wonderful, I mean, just refreshing. Uh, think of like a Bloody Mary beer. That's what I would think yeah. most people would think of it as. Um, so I don't consider a michelada a beer. I consider that a beer cocktail. Okay. Um, but man, it is so great to know that someone <laughs> in Belgium knows what a michelada is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. It's on the menu for tonight for sure. It's uh, it's uh, tonight on mm. the menu is is Peruvian ceviche with a Guatemalteco oh. uh, Guatemalteca uh, michelada. Oh, I miss ceviche. We can, I can't find good ceviche here. Oh, I love ceviche. <laughs> uh, well, um, that's that's the 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 idea. I make it myself, by the way. It's uh, ah. it's not it's not so difficult. Um, we're, I'm looking at the clock here, Alan. Uh, please, please, we've please. been recording 34, 34 minutes. You mentioned earlier as well that you do a podcast. Tell us a little bit about that uh, about that podcast. What do you do with that podcast? Huh? Yeah. So, um, my podcast. I know nothing about beer. Um, mm-hmm. is uh, I really do try to get, um. I try to take a a question on my mind and talk to someone that uh, would be more than happy to discuss it and dive deeper uh, into it. Uh, Something about beer or beer culture. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there is, uh, especially here in America, there's a craft beer subculture. I mean, I've got people that I trade beers with that we have what we call bottle shares where literally everybody brings different bottles of beer and we all get to try a little bit of each because, you know, one person got this one from Washington or Belgium or wherever. Um, And I I want – 
I wanted this podcast to be, if you know nothing about beer, if you're like, hey, I'm starting to like this thing called IPA, what else should I try? Or, hey, I'm wondering, like, um, you know, I'm going to a beer bottle shop, what, and I have no clue what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to give people a reference point, like, here's some things that you should do. So I talked to a guy that owns a bottle shop. I've talked wow. to, you know, a brewer about, like, you know, just being in a, in a, in a brewery. You know, because there's people that are that get really self-conscious. I'm not that I want to learn everything. I have no problem going to a brewer and going, hey, man, I love your beer. Um, And then actually just how to talk to a brewer, because a lot of brewers get the same questions over and over and over again. You know, hey, you know, what kind of hops did you use? Well, you know, it's on the bottle, but I use Chinook and Citra and this. Uh, Just giving people a starting point. Right. uh, If they want to get to know beer a little more. Um, and not just what beer is, but uh, the, the the culture that surrounds it. Mm. Okay, well, good. No, well, that at least gives a gives a context context for all these mm-hmm. beer, beer lovers around the world who are listening to this podcast. Make sure yes. you check out Alan's podcast as well. Two last questions, Alan. Please. One um, that I uh, prepped you for in the beginning, right before recording. Can you give us uh, three tips to become more culturally competent in your mm-hmm. experience from your travels, from your beer tasting, your beer knowledge, etc.? If you can put it in that context, mm. um, I, I will say um, um, one would be if you're at a bar, order whatever's whatever is is local. Um, or whatever you see, maybe the locals drinking the most, just so you get an idea. Mm. Uh, it may surprise them to go, "Oh, look what you're what you're what you're having." Um, I, I was in China, and I remember they. I was in a certain part, and it was just known for spicy food. So I just sat down with the spiciest bowl of noodles I've ever had, and gave myself the most wicked heartburn, and made several people laugh. But man, we all sat at that table, even not even talking, yeah. having a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I would say drink, eat something that the locals are eating at wherever you're at. Yep. Um, you know, step out on that limb. Um, another thing that I've learned uh, just for myself, uh, learn how to say I'm sorry or excuse me in the language that you're in. Um, uh, I think Americans get a really bad rap. Uh, I, I think partially justified uh, for being uh, not as um, culturally observant, observant yep. in the countries that they're visiting. And so one of the things I try to do is learn how to say I'm sorry um, because I know I'm going to step on toes. I know I'm going to do something really stupid uh, and it would never be out of of um, out of a willful ignorance. So that is something I, I really do try to do. Um, and then uh, the other one, I, you know, I say just do a little research ahead of time. You know, right. yeah. it always helps to just to to just do a little Google of like where you're going, what you know, um, what they do. And then just to have some, some things in your back pocket of like, Oh, that's something different. Let me try that out. Yeah. Um, whether it be an experience, whether it be a food, whether it be a beer, um, you know, uh, try that, take that extra step on a limb and do the research and go, what, what looks odd to me? I should try that. Good. Sounds good to me. Indeed. Local beers. is something that I, that I try to do. Otherwise I would never have known a michelada, by the way. <laughs> Uh, if you don't try it, then you don't learn, and and then you might not like it, but at least you've tried it. So look, when you first get handed a michelada, do you have a, the tahini sauce? Uh, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Because you see a, a beer rimmed with spicy red stuff around it, you and that makes most people go like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's oh, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, I know. I can't wait. I mean, it's it's almost three. That's a little past three p.m. It's too early for me to have a beer, but it's it's no. it's, it's in the making. In my mind, it's in the okay. making already. Um, okay, Alan, okay. How can people get in touch with you should they want to? Oh, uh, I would love that. Um, 
on I'm most active on Instagram as most of the beer community is. So that's at Al the Brewer, A-L-T-H-E-B-R-E-W-E-R, all together one word. You can reach me via Gmail, the same handle, albrewer at gmail.com. Um, I know nothing about beer.com and, or althebrewer.com are kind of the best places to start. Right. Okay, that's all noted. That will all be in the in the show notes. Oh, thank you. All right, no problem. It's, I enjoyed the talk. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on the show, and I'll think of you, and I'll uh, I'll toast to you when I'm having Man. a michelada tonight. Uh, you know what, uh, Chris? I will toast to you because for sure I will be having some type of beer. Uh, you know, oh, do I have a? Oh, I don't have any Dutch beer. I may have a Belgian beer if you don't mind that being the closest. No, no, country. that's perfectly fine. Don't worry. Okay, Enjoy that just at make least. it. Okay, okay. All right, gotcha. you take care. I'll talk to you soon then. Thank you, Chris. Bye, bye. Thanks, Alan, again for this really enthusiastic interview. Um, if, as a listener, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You can do that in iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify. It's all good there and available. If you are in iTunes, you uh, are also invited to leave a review. That would be really nice as well. The music you hear in the background is from Ben Sound. You can find them at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters Podcast, and I'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you. Bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.